ferry service on the Detroit River, originally written by Reverend Edward J. Dowling. The date, July 7th, 1951. Originally aired to the public through CKLW. In 1825, a boat named the Olive Branch traveled on the Detroit River. Its main purpose was to carry wagons, horses, cattle, and travelers too. Five years later, this initiative seemed to inspire the creation of a small steam-driven ferry named the Argo. The Argo goes down in history as the first steam ferry across our river. In 1834, the steamers Lady of the Lake and United entered the intercity service. Following these two ferries, the Alliance and the Argo No. 2 came along. Business was improving, better ships were needed. The older ships ran on unreliable schedules. After came the Ottawa of 1852 and then the Gem of 1856. Besides the gem traveling between Windsor and Detroit, its additional route was between Sandwich, Ontario, and Springwells, Michigan. These days, these two townships are respectively neighborhoods of Windsor, Dearborn, and Detroit. Leading up to and during the American Civil War, thousands of slaves from the southern states escaped to Canada, many of them crossing at Detroit by ferry as part of the Underground Railway. The same year, the gem was introduced a new ferry being created in Detroit for Canadian ownership. Its name was the Windsor. The Windsor was part of the Great Western Railway and served as a connecting link between the Windsor Great Western Railway station and the Detroit and Milwaukee Railway. This was the origin for the Canadian National Grand Trunk Line between Montreal, Toronto, and Chicago. In 1860, the iron steamer Mohawk was on the local ferry line. The wind steamer Essex was built in Walkerville at that same period. In 1864, the screw-drive ferry Detroit was built at Algonac for the city of Detroit. In the history of ferry service between Detroit and Windsor, only two accidents claimed many lives. On the night of April 23, 1866, a drum of oil exploded aboard the ferry Windsor. The ship was about to cast off from the Detroit dock on Brush Street. A moment passed. The Windsor was engulfed in flames. It was starting to drift with a current down the Detroit waterfront. The city ferry Detroit was docked at Woodward Avenue and immediately was put out after the burning Windsor managed to get a line onto her. Small boats from both the Detroit and from shore were trying to rescue passengers and crew. Most of them jumped overboard. The Detroit's efforts to keep the burning derelict away from the dock and from other ships was delayed after a few minutes when the tow line parted. The Detroit rammed into the Windsor and although a fire herself forward, managed to push the burning vessel to the then vacant sandwich point where the Windsor burned to the water's edge. Of the approximately 50 persons aboard the ship, 30 perished. The Windsor's place on the Great Western Line was taken by the new Union, built at Windsor later in 1866. The Union was a large screw-driven vessel. It had a dining room on the upper deck. 
even after the arrival of the Great Western in 1867, a vessel which could ferry whole trains across the river, the Union was used by the line for passengers of trains, which terminated either at Windsor or Detroit. The Hope, an American ship, came on the scene in 1870. Two years later followed the Victoria. The Victoria was the first ship owned by the Detroit and Windsor Ferry Company. From this period on, the majority of Cross River ferries would be operated by this company. The Fortune and Excelsior followed in 1875 and 1876. The Garland came out in 1880 and changed the game completely. Besides running on the ferry service, she made excursions on the river. The second great disaster in the history of the ferries occurred on July 22, 1880. The Garland was carrying the employees of the Detroit Stove Works. It collided with and sank the steam yacht named Mommy near Grassy Island. The Mommy was returning from Monroe with a party of altar boys from Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Detroit. The big Garland ran clear over the yacht which sank before boats could be lowered to assist. 17 of the 24 persons aboard the Mommy drowned. In 1881, service was opened between Walkerville and Joss Campo Street in Detroit by the Walkerville and Detroit Ferry Company with the new wooden ferry aerial. In 1883, the development of Belle Isle for the public was almost complete, and the Detroit and Windsor Ferry Company secured the charter for service to the island. When the new steamer Sappho of 153 tons inaugurated this service, the company adopted the title Detroit, Belle Isle, and Windsor Ferry Company. Belle Isle, an island of stunning parks and lagoons, attracted thousands to the spot. Within 10 years, the ferry line was required. Another large vessel, the Promise, was added to this transportation network. The Promise's capacity of 2,000 passengers was not enough. In 1894, the Pleasure was added. A 20-minute schedule was maintained between Woodward Avenue and the island and a 10-minute schedule between Woodward Avenue and Olette Avenue. In those days, only a dime was needed to get on the ferry and remain on board for as many rides as the passenger wished. In 1902, a new service was opened to Boblo Island at the lower mouth of the Detroit River. Built especially for the service was a new steamer considered a leviathan of her time. The ship was a well-known Columbia built at the Wyandotte Yards of the Detroit Dry Dock Company from plans drawn up by the master marine architect Frank E. Kirby. The Columbia was originally licensed to carry 3,500 people. The Britannia in 1907 and the St. Clair in 1910 were similar to the Columbia but slightly smaller. For a while all three ran on the Bobla route. In later years the Britannia was used on the inner city line. Since 1881, the reliable aerial had been plodding back and forth between Walkerville and Joss Campo Street. In 1913, the Walkerville line had the Toledo Shipbuilding Company construct the ferry Essex, a steel vessel. In the early 20s, increasing business, especially heavy trucking, led to the addition of the new Wayne in 1923 and Halcyon in 1925. They were built at the Rouge by Great Lakes Engineering Works. The Detroit, Belle Isle, and Windsor Ferry Company 
added new fairies as replacements for the outdated ones. During the 20s, the La Salle was built at Toledo and the Cadillac at the Rouge Yards. With the completion of the Cadillac in 1928, we reached the last name of the list of the Detroit River Ferries. The La Salle, Cadillac, Britannia, and Promise ran daily from Windsor to Detroit from 5.30 a.m. until 2.30 at night. Boats loaded at the foot of Bates Street and Woodward Avenue in Detroit and at the foot of Olette Avenue and Ferry Street in Windsor. According to William Oxford, the author of Ferry Steamers, the story of the Detroit Windsor Ferry Boats. The bridge opened on November 12, 1929. It was announced a 10-minute bus service would be provided to carry passengers between the two downtowns. The tunnel, opened in 1930, also provided bus service between the two cities. The bridge and the tunnel ultimately became far more attractive to local residents because the trips to other sides were much quicker, there were no problems with winter ice jams, and usual delays experienced by ferry passengers were non-existent. And the fate of the Detroit River Ferries was sealed. In 1938, the Detroit Belle Island Windsor Ferry Company laid up its ships, and four years later, the Walkerville Line withdrew its only active vessel, the Halcyon. The ferry's last day of service for vehicles and passengers between Detroit and Windsor was July 18, 1938. Conservative figures of ferry company officials placed the crowd who came to bid farewell to the ferries to about 30,000 people. Once again, according to William Oxford, sentimental feelings of thousands of people, while genuine, was not enough to save the ferries. Many of these people never bothered to use them in the first place. So where did all the ferries go? Some went to other ports and were converted for other duties. The old fortune ended her days around the Sioux, and the Ariel and Garland last saw active duty at Port Huron. Shortly before World War II, the Essex and Britannia were converted into tugboats. The Essex, later called the Stoic, was owned for some years by Imperial Oil Limited, and used on Lake Ontario. The Halcyon, Cadillac, and LaSalle were converted into Coast Guard cutters during the war, but have seen little service since. Though the romantic ferry boats are gone, their memory lives on. More than 100 years of tradition disappeared. In these days of international mistrust and strained relations, it is comforting to know the bond of peace was so firmly established between Windsor and Detroit. The little white ferry boats welded that bond just a bit more strongly. Over a century, these two cities became more closely united as a result. Previous attempts to bring back the pedestrian ferry service between Detroit and Windsor happened in 1988, 1993, 2011, 2013, 2015, and 2016. I spoke with Todd Scott, the executive director of the Detroit Greenways Coalition, a group that advocated for a commercial ferry for pedestrians and cyclists across the Detroit River back in 2018. My name is Todd Scott. I'm the executive director for Detroit Greenways Coalition. Um, our, our vision is to build a citywide network of biking and walking trails, um, connecting up all the neighborhoods all across Detroit and spilling over into the suburbs. We've been at it since 2007 and uh, made some tremendous gains moving forward with both on street, off street, you know, rails to trails and everything. So it's 
super exciting time in Detroit to, to see this infrastructure and to see the response from, from the residents that, that are wanting to use it all the time. And uh, you know, from the 60 bike clubs that we have to Slow Roll, which is the largest weekly bike ride in the United States, it's been pretty overwhelming, the response. So we're looking forward to keeping it moving forward. On the Detroit Greenways Coalition website, their vision for the city of Detroit is to be strong, healthy, vibrant, and to have a seamless network of greenways, green spaces, blueways, and complete streets. I asked Todd, what is a blueway? Blueways are, are trails for people who are on the water. So typically that would be a kayak or a stand-up paddleboard or a canoe, you know, some, some human-powered um, uh, vehicle. And... Um, so you, you might have a, a route along the Detroit River where you'd have designated stops along the way. Um, so uh, there's, there are other groups that are taking the lead on that, and so we've just been supporting them. We did help change a city ordinance so that um, you can legally um, launch a kayak from um, a city park. So um, we did make some progress in that regard. So I wanted to know, when did the Port Authority start to work on a pedestrian ferry pilot for Windsor and Detroit? And when did the Detroit Greenways Coalition get involved? Yeah, so, you know, I don't recall when they got started on it because there's been discussion about this for some time, and, and I'm sure there's a long history of this stretching back to when the ferry service was ended. So um, we got involved with the Port Authority um, because we were interested in getting bikes on the new Gordie Howe Bridge, bikes and pedestrians. And so uh, to show, uh, we couldn't give them the numbers about how many bikes were currently crossing the river. Uh, so what we did is we created this map and, uh, that showed the bike trails and, and walking trails on both sides of the river and why it would be so important to connect the two. And the Port Authority got involved and helped help fund that, um, that map creation. And from that, there was an ongoing discussion about um, creating ferry service, especially if we could tie into the open streets projects that are occurring both in Windsor and United States make it easier for people to get across the river and participate in open streets. So um, that's really how the whole pilot discussion began. I asked him, was there any contact made between the four pedestrian ferry services that currently operate between Ontario and the United States to execute this project? No, there really, we never got to the stage where we were contacting them. Um, and, I, and I believe uh, the, the ones across the, the, the uh, 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 north of us in Algonac, th those ferry, that ferry service is within the same U.S. Customs District, so we talked about using them as an example of what we could do. Um, we were told that they were grandfathered in, so they got away, they're getting away with some things that we might not be able to if we were to start ferry service in Detroit again. Um, but we, yeah, we did. I mean, we, I mean I've been on, on bike rides like the Blue Water Ramble that make use of those ferries. Um, uh, it's, it's part of our underground railroad bicycle route that comes up from Mobile, Alabama and needs to get to Canada somehow from Detroit. And we, we can't get across the river in Detroit, so we routed it up to, to Algonac and Marine City so that you could cross on the ferry to continue on into, uh, into Ontario. The pedestrian ferry pilot was supposed to run between Detroit and Windsor for open streets in 2016. So, what happened? Uh, well, it became a, a, a number of issues. Uh, pe people thought we had the capacity to, to lead and make that happen. And, you know, that's, we're, we're a, a small organization with very limited staff. And to devote so much time just working on a ferry would, would be unfair to all the other projects that we have going on. So we, we focused more on those and was hoping someone else could take the lead on that. 
Um, but that didn't happen. We also learned that there's a lot of there's a lot of difficulties with having just a one-day ferry service. I thought that would be easier, but it turns out it's more difficult because without a posted schedule that's running on a regular basis, you, you're on the hook for all the uh, uh, customs costs on the U.S. side, which makes it a much more expensive proposition than if you have a posted schedule. So, Here, Todd Scott tells us what his team learned about collaborating with the Port Authority regarding the pilot project. Well, I think the biggest thing that I learned was a conversation I had with the, uh, the truck ferry operator because um, I guess he had been involved in some of the discussions as well. We, we had discussions with him whether we could use you know, uh, his vessel to transport people. Um, and you know, he, said, he said basically the, the way ferries become successful is, is um, they operate on, on rivers where there are no bridges and tunnels already existing. So it just creates this, this monopoly where you have to use the ferry to get across the river. Um, and it, uh, we don't have that. We have a relatively inexpensive uh, bridge and tunnel. And so it's convenient for people to drive across rather than have to try find a parking space in Windsor, which is at, you know, at a premium downtown, or even on the Detroit side, finding uh, parking can be a premium. It, it costs money on top of the um, ferry fee, then you might as well just pay the tunnel fee and go over to Canada. So there's a lot of challenges trying to get across a river that already has relatively inexpensive um, um, uh, a tunnel and bridge service uh, where there are, there are um, parking difficulties near the river as well. You know, I mean, ideally, if we had, you know, a fully packed queue line and bus service coming down, we wouldn't have to worry about parking and people could take the take mass transit down to the ferry, cross over to the other side and, and you know, take advantage of being in Windsor. But, you know, we, we're not there at that point. We don't have the, that ridership that could justify that model. I asked him, what is the importance of having an alternative mode of transportation for cyclists and pedestrians to travel between Detroit and Windsor besides the existing bridge and tunnel? Absolutely. So, uh, um, yeah, this has been a big, a big uh, push for us is to get international travel for bikes and pedestrians. Now, pedestrians do have the advantage of, uh, back when we started, they had the advantage of using the tunnel bus. So they could take Windsor Transit and, and get between the two locations, which is relatively painless. Um, Bikes did not have that option until uh, last October when Windsor Transit changed their policy and, and allowed bikes to be on the, uh, on the Windsor Transit bus, which we haven't tried yet. We're looking forward to trying that out. Um, um, and also, we were successful in getting um, bike and pedestrian access on the Gordie Howe Bridge, which will be certainly a bucket list item for anyone who, who bikes or walks in this area. You know, To be able to ride over the bridge will be spectacular because of the views, because of the height. Now, because of the height, I think, and because of the distance from down, the downtowns, it still makes sense to have a better crossing for bikes and peds in the downtown area. So, I mean, a ferry service would still be amazing for bikes and, and pedestrians. Um, so it's still something we want to pursue. We just, at this time, don't have the capacity to, uh, to take the lead on it as much as we would like to. I think it's super exciting that we're having these conversations. And as downtown Detroit, you know, gets more and more... Um, uh, rebuilt and redeveloped and gets more and more activity with people, they're going to want to travel across the river easier. Um, you know, I don't know whether the transit, I mean, transit Windsor bus service is definitely needed, but, um, but having a ferry service for pedestrians might be more justified when we have more people 
um, ready to go across the river. Um, and as our river walk gets more and more developed, I mean, that's another big asset that people in Windsor could take advantage of. You know, we can come over and take advantage of the Windsor uh, uh, riverfront path. That would, that would be amazing. But as our, as our riverfront west park gets developed and the Uniroyal site gets developed, we'll have a long, continuous uh, river walk that will be very valuable and, and enticing for people from Windsor to come over and try. I know we were talking earlier off off the mic about uh, cycling history, and right. you know a lot of the cyclists uh, back in the 1890s. I mean, it was trivial to get across the river on a ferry and start your bike ride in Canada and and ride as far as Niagara Falls. I mean, we had route maps that that give you the route of how to go from Detroit to Niagara, Detroit to London, you know, Detroit to Niagara Falls. So. You know, it's, we'd love to get back to that, and we've been partnering with um, groups on both sides of the river. Um, the state of Michigan is very interested in that. Uh, we worked with the Waterfront uh, Trust and others, and, and uh, of course our friends in um, um, uh, Bike Friendly Windsor-Essex. So, The original audio wasn't clear. Todd said Bike Windsor-Essex. Um, so it's exciting. We're, we're, we'll, we'll get there. We're not there today, but we'll get there. Well, you know, the other thing I'd bring up too, you know, I mentioned the revitalization of Detroit, and it's a, sh a shame we didn't get more consideration for the Amazon headquarters because that was a joint application from the two cities, and I, I believe that application called for ferry service. Um, so that would have been a great way to get ferry service, but unfortunately that didn't play out like we wanted to, but, you know, maybe down the road it will for some other company. William Oxford the author of Ferry Steamers, The Story of the Detroit-Windsor Ferry Boats, said, The history of the ferries is much more than history. It's memories. In a section of Mr. Oxford's book, he talked about how his interviews with people who rode on the ferries often focused on something that was done before getting on or getting off the ferry. One example was the old Verner's plant in downtown Detroit. I talked with Naomi Ruth Chapman and her son, Scott Hughes. Miss Chapman used to ride the ferries with her mother back in the 1930s. Do you recall the, um, the Verner's plant in downtown Detroit? Oh. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, that was a, no, that was, no, listen to me. That was a special treat for Nurse Ginger Ale. When you got to go to Detroit with a little ferry or something, our first treat of the day would be to go in and have a Verner's Ginger Ale in this building. It's probably no longer there. Thank you to Edward Dowling, Todd Scott, Naomi Ruth Chapman, Scott Hughes, the Windsor Public Library, and Museum Windsor. This podcast is a recipient of the City of Windsor's Arts Council and Heritage Fund. My name is Walter Patrician, and thank you so much for tuning in to Episode 2 of Life in a Border Town. <laughs>